This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. So Ren, some listeners would be surprised to know that there is some structure to our madness behind the mic. Two episodes that we're going to consistently do over each month is Ask Us Anything and our book club. Ask Us Anything we're going to do on the last episode of every month. We're giving you guys the opportunity to ask us literally any question you want. It doesn't have to be equity. Literally. Literally. It doesn't have to be equities related, although we will do our best to answer the equity ones. Hit us up on our website, equitymates.com. There's a section there, ask us anything and uh, hit, hit us up with a question and we will then answer that on the last episode of our month. And Ren, book club? Well, to answer the most common question that everyone's asking... The way that Bryce keeps his hair so perfect, <laughs> it's fake. <laughs> it's a wig that he pulls out for photos. <laughs> but ask us anything other than that. <laughs> it is funny that that's the most common question Yeah, asked. yeah, yeah. I get it. I ask myself it every day. In terms of book club, uh, reading is a great way to learn about investing. We keep hearing it in our interviews, so we figured how do we take our listeners on a journey and uh, make us read a little bit more ourselves. We started a book club. Jump on our website, equitymates.com slash book club. You can see the book we're reading. Uh, you can buy it. You can read it. Not on our website, but you, you can, you know, you can read, read the book, <laughs> listen to the episode, join the book club. It's great. <laughs> First episode of every month, we'll re- review the book that we read previously and also let you know what book we're going to be reading for the coming month. So that's Ask Us Anything, last episode of every month. Book club first of every month, and then in between, it's going to be a random mayhem affair. So get on board. Yeah. I will say this about investing everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we will help you learn to invest in 20 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. How are you? I'm very good as well. That's It's our last episode of our summer series where we deep dive into an Australian company chosen by random. How do you feel about that? Uh, I have really enjoyed it, actually. I think... um... We probably haven't found a lot of companies we would invest in, although i got to say that the first company that we talked about, Baby Bunting, yes. has been getting a lot of heat recently. It has, it has. been blowing up, <laughs> um, but the other ones, uh, not so much. Yeah, not um, so much. But I've enjoyed it. It's been a good exercise. Yeah, it's been great. It's uh, been a, a really good exercise for us to recap on a few sort of fundamentals when it comes to researching, learn a few new ways of going about researching and valuing different industries because we've discovered that, you know, valuing baby bunting in retail is completely different to trying to uh, value, say, for example, last week's um, 
what was the company? Berebus or whatever it was. <laughs> oil uh, and D- gas. Dorimus? Dorimus, yeah. yeah. Uh, oil and gas. So we've had a good mix. We've had retail. We've had mining exploration in, in uh, lithium, cobalt. We've had oil exploration, sort of investing. Um, and we have had... Here we what go. Can you get the it? fourth Can one. Can you get it? Ah, GPT. It was... Yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> but I can't remember uh, for the life of me what it did. Um, what are some of our mates obsessed with collapsing at the moment? Obsessed with collaping? Yeah. Housing, that was it. It was the real estate yeah, investment trust. Yeah, yeah nice. <laughs> REIT, that's right. Yeah. So a great, a great mix, I think. I'm stoked that we didn't finish up with five exploration companies um, <laughs> i don't know we could have gone state. deep on exploration <laughs> true we true. could have been mineral experts <laughs> and today another one that we haven't discussed and this is you know, you've been really really talking the big game with this one you've got something that you're easy keen easy to... let's uh let's uh tone it down <laughs> we'll uh let's not talk it up too much but um yeah there is something that i want to talk about but we'll, uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. So today, Ren, we are going to be talking about Prime Financial Group Limited. PFG is the ASX ticker. And for those of you who have just joined the show, welcome. Um, Ren and I, as we have said, have been deep diving into, into companies. And the way that we came up with these companies was to t- type the first two letters of the ticker into the ASX website and whatever the first suggestion was, what we would go with. And that happened to be PFG for our, our last one. So, Ren... As always, we'll start with what the company does and we'll finish with the financials and a bit of evaluation. Is there anything in particular you want to throw in in the middle? Uh, no, no, let's just see where we go. Okay. Fast and loose. So fast and loose. <laughs> so PFG, Prime Financial Group. Yeah, every time you uh, say PFG, all I can think about is Big Friendly Giant. Well, that's BFG, mate. Yeah, I know, B- I know. <laughs> I'm aware. Well, if you, mate, well, hopefully you're not going to start waffling on about uh, Roald Dahl and the Big Friendly Giant when we're going to be discussing a company that is in the financial sector. It's a diversified financial. That is why uh, they pay you the big bucks. <laughs> diversified financials is its industry group. So what does PFG do? It's, it's a national... I guess, financial services and advisory group. And it has three main um, offerings, I guess. it's It's got a wealth management service, an accounting and service, I guess, and self-managed super fund service, uh, and then also a capital advisory service and managers, I think, just over a billion dollars, which uh, when I last looked at it, um, it does everything from financial planning, investment advice, asset protection, life insurance, superannuation, um, all that sort of stuff, and it's got hubs and, and locations all through throughout Australia. Yeah. So let's crack in, Ren. Any, as we said, three three major sort of branches to it, I guess: wealth management, uh, accounting, and capital. Anything you want to add um, to that? No, I think I think you summed it up nicely. I think uh, this could be wrong, but for my mind, it made me. Everything about this company just screamed out like the the sort of financial advisor that has a shop front in like yes you know like a main yeah. street or like a mall or something yeah it's your one stop shop is the yeah, vibe that I yeah. that I was getting it's a we don't specialize in one thing we try and cover everything and yeah, yeah. like 
Do you do you have money questions? We'll we'll give you the answer sort of vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and charge you for it and probably not yeah, give you the, yeah. the best answer that you yeah. want. Yeah, and like big for small businesses that need to raise capital or need accounting services or business advisory services. And then for individuals, um sort of wealth management, self managed super, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I mean you, yeah, as you said, one point one billion in funds under under management, um and 46% of its revenue comes from that wealth management business. Uh, then another 46% of its revenue comes from accounting and business advisory services. So that's more the stuff that it would do for small business owners. And then there's another 8% of other sort of uh, financial services and advice. Um, that That's the remaining 8% of its revenue. Interesting. So um, one thing I found quite interesting was they they talked a big game about diversifying from their non-core assets um, and that this was what they were talking about in their annual reports and some of their releases to the market that you can you can find on their website or on the ASX website and then it just slips in there that it has started a venture capital fund. What? Uh, yeah, I know. I missed that. Really? Yeah. I'm very convinced that... Um, so, the context is in the lead up to 2008, there were a lot of stories about people starting hedge funds. Hedge funds were sort of the in vogue thing at the time. And, you know, people would make an exit from a tech company or would retire from the business world and would start their own hedge fund. Um, and then a lot of them got wiped out in 08, 09. Yeah. Uh, it, but it was, at that time, it was the very in vogue thing for companies and for smart people to do. I'm very convinced convinced that uh, venture capital is that of our time, that the amount of people that are VCs or starting VC funds, like... Like, why is this? Why is this company started? Well, yeah, okay. What have they? Have they made any significant investments away from their core assets? So I'm assuming what they do is then, I guess, they go and acquire, say, parts of accounting businesses or whatever it may be to to sort of grow, I guess. And so what they're saying now is that they want to stray away from those sorts of acquisitions or investments into what? Do you have any idea? Not a lot of detail, but my 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 just main issue is what like why is what is their comparative advantage in in the venture world? And then all this money tries to flow in to find the next startup, and then they just they chase riskier and riskier opportunities with worse and worse terms because there's so much money crowding into the space. Mm, mm. And I'm not sure, you know, like I just can't get the image of like you know a a shop front in the Brisbane suburbs servicing like pensioners and mums and dads yeah and it's like what what's their deal flow like i don't know i just think in terms of giving this company your money to find best rates of return i'm not i think their core business is this um like small business advisory and wealth management stuff like that it's not finding the next you know atlassian out in the out in the, the suburbs. But anyway, that's a good anyway, point. I'm, I wonder what's driving them to do that. Is it that they're not getting the growth that shareholders are expecting from their core asset business? I wonder. You know, the reason that a lot of these businesses do do uh, go into the venture capital, I guess, is to find growth opportunities. But as you said, whether or not they're successful at it is probably the big question. Yeah, and look, we're probably being disparaging. I'm sure they have a reason to do it, and. Look, what what would make sense if they're using the the buzzword venture capital to sort of make it sound sexy and attract investors, but really what they are doing is essentially uh, offering a 
not a, not a banking service, but like sort of growth capital for some of the small businesses that they're advising, um, and then they can sort of become a one-stop shop where they are uh, offering accounting services, business advisory services, helping raise capital. But if it is you know a small amount of capital, then maybe they're the ones providing the capital. Um, yeah. So look, maybe it's just a label. Maybe it does sort of fit in more with their core business. Um, but yeah, I thought I just thought it was funny that you know everyone wants to be a venture capitalist these days. It's sort of the the sexy and in vogue thing to do, and mm. seems that's, that that's come across to Australia as well. Yeah, good point. Something to watch, I guess. Yeah. So let's uh let's talk about their financials. Unless do you, do you have much about the industry that you want to discuss or no. <laughs> Fair enough. I think I look. I think I, people... I actually didn't go into any industry research with this one yeah. for no particular reason, really. I just didn't get around to it. So I think if people are thinking about uh, investing in a company like this, the the main things to think about are like obviously who the competition is, but what are the points of difference between the you know this uh, business advisor and wealth management company and the plenty of others that are out there both publicly listed and private um and then you would want to drill down into sort of how sticky the customers are are people putting their funds under management when they're young and staying for life are businesses starting with this company and growing with them or is it pretty easy to chop and change between prime financial group and other small business and you know small and medium enterprise financial service providers because if it's pretty easy to chop and change and it's pretty easy to move your money around and there's not a lot of comparative advantage, uh, I imagine that it would be a pretty brutal industry out there. Yeah, yeah. So share price is what, nine nine and a bit cents, nine and a third cent, yep. uh, which gives them a market cap of uh, $15.5 million. Yes. So not huge, but a bit bigger than some of the other companies we've looked at. Yes. Um, their income statement. So they made twenty one point three million in revenue last year. So you know the the um the amount of revenue they brought in is twenty five percent more than their market cap. No, more than that even. Um, thirty three percent more than their market cap. So that's not bad. Maybe you can get a bargain here. Uh, but unfortunately, they lost one and one point one million dollars. So yeah. not great. No. For a billion under management as well, what their rev- total revenue, 20 million, 21 million. Yeah. Okay. I would have thought it would be more than that, to be honest. But anyway. Yeah. No, I mm. don't know. Haven't, I didn't dig into it enough. Yeah. Um, so the company claimed that the reason they lost money was there was a $3 million one-off loss um, by selling some investments uh, and that was that that whole thing I was talking about before, how they were diversifying away. Uh, they were getting rid of non-core assets or non-core businesses. Right. So they're saying they made a loss selling some of those, but it streamlined the company. Um, and so they wouldn't have actually made a loss if, if it wasn't for that $3 million. So that's that's the sort of the income they made. Uh, any Any other points to add there? Unlike most of the other companies that we have discussed, this one did pay a dividend last year of one cent, not massive. Not yeah, but not bad but if the it share still price pays, is, it still pays. Yeah, yes. and if the share price is nine cents. Yeah, that's the important part. As a yield, it's it's a ten percent yield. Um so we won't go into that detail because we do do an episode on it. So if you want to understand what we're talking about there and go into a bit more detail with the dividends, um, check out our dividend episode. But 
it's just worth pointing out that it does pay a dividend. And essentially what that means is that uh, you get distributed some of um, their profits twice a year. Um, and so you can generate some income from this stock uh, without having to sell it for a capital gain, um, which is something that the other companies that we've looked at this uh, summer series haven't been doing. So that's probably worth calling out. Yeah, um, definitely. Mm. So balance sheet, Ren. Yes. This now, is where the fun starts. This is where the fun... Well, <laughs> this is... Yeah, this was interesting. Um, so to start with, I look, you look at how much debt they have, uh, 7.7 million net debt. I mean, that's... Uh, given their market cap is 15 million, that's not ideal, but it's not that bad. But then you come across something surprising. They have $60 million, 60 million in total yeah. assets. Huge. Now, for a company that's worth $15 million, according to the market, if you can buy $60 million worth of assets for $15 million, you're laughing. You, as, a, as an investor, all you want the company to do is you want to buy as much of that company as you can and then hope the company sells those assets and then just pays you, and you could make four times your money. Brent, it sounds too good to be true. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It, <laughs> it does. sounds too good to be true. <laughs> so then you then you okay. do a little bit of digging, and you see okay. that of that sixty million in assets, forty eight million of it is in in intangible assets. Ah, okay, goodwill. Yes. Yeah, so okay. well, let's let's for people who aren't familiar, let's make the distinction. Tangible yep. assets are things like uh, your plant and equipment. So if you own office buildings, if you own a manufacturing facility, if you're a trucking company, if you own your trucks. Um, so, they're, they're tangible, physical assets, things like land, uh, and you can and sell them. Sell them. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah. Now, the other intangible are things like brand. You know, it's worth your brand is worth something, but you, you can't, you can sell it as part of the company, but it's, it's not physical. You can't touch it. So, 48 million of it, of the 60 million is intangible assets. So then you take one more step and you say, where's that intangible asset? Because mm. if for, if it's $48 million worth of trademarks and patents, you might you might be laughing. You might have some yeah. great so- IP that's protected. Unfortunately, that's not the case here. <laughs> <laughs> 43, what have they done? 43.9 million of that is goodwill. Mm. Now, this is an interesting term um, and it's important to define. Because goodwill doesn't just mean how much your customers like you. It's not that your customers have so much goodwill for you that it's valued at three times the value of your company. Goodwill is a term used when a company acquires another company uh, and it's the excess value that can't be attributed to, to actual assets. So plant, equipment, inventory. So if, if you give a really simple example, let's say Bryce and I own a business, uh, I buy Bryce's business for 10 bucks. Bryce's business is made up of a dollar's worth of inventory, sorry, a dollar's worth of inventory that I take ownership of, a dollar's worth of property that I take ownership of, and a dollar's worth of intellectual property that I take ownership of. So that's three dollars worth of like assets that you can attribute value to as part of me buying his company for $10. But then there's another seven dollars there that aren't attributed to anything. And you to ma- to balance your books, you need to record that on your balance sheet somewhere because you've paid for it. Otherwise, you just you lose that value evaporates into thin air straight away. Yeah. So you you attribute that value um on your balance sheet as goodwill. Now 
What does that mean in the context of this company, Prime Financial Group? So it, this company has $43.9 million worth of goodwill and the company as a whole is only worth $15 million. So that means it has paid, in the when it's been acquiring companies, it has paid over three times its total value just in uh, the over and above, like in excess price when they're acquiring something. So that means it... When goodwill is this high, it's a big red flag and it it's a big red flag because it means, well, one, the company probably isn't that price sensitive when it's acquiring other companies and it's probably not that good at acquiring other companies, but it also means that the companies are likely going to have to write down that goodwill in the future Yeah, because that... It's unlikely that if the com- if the market is saying the company is only worth $15 million, it's unlikely the company's actually carrying $44 million worth of goodwill. So over time, the company has to say, actually, you know, I might have paid $10 for Bryce's company, but it hasn't generated the returns that I, I expected it to. I'm going to write down some of that goodwill and, you know, the company was, in hindsight, was only worth $5. And so you write down that difference. And you wear that as a cost. That's a cost to your business and you report that in your income statement. Yeah. Um, and so what it will mean is that your your profit numbers are hurt because of this, the, you're writing down this goodwill. Yeah, um, your, your assets are impacted. If you look at the fluctuation of this goodwill between 2014, 2018, in 2014, it was 49 million. And then the following year, 2015 and 2016, They've obviously bumped it down 35 million, so taking 14 million off the value of that, but now it's slowly bumped back up 40, and now 43.9 million. Wow. Yeah, yeah and it's also so you were saying that it's the excess, so so they're paying essentially three times more than what their company is worth. Would you say that's an indication then that that's actually poor buying decisions? Like when they're going in and buying these companies, are they they're just w- well overpaying? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that's sort of the that that's the basis of it. Yeah, that um, they're paying a lot more than like the physical, the 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 value creating assets the that you can list on your balance sheet elsewhere, mm. um, and then they're not realizing that value because you know in theory what would happen is I buy your company for ten dollars and I wear that on my balance sheet, but over time the value of your company grows. Um, because obviously if I paid for it, I expect to get a return on it. And so then the value of all the other assets on my balance sheet appreciate over time because yeah. uh, you know I'm buying more plant, buying more equipment, opening more mm. shops, buying more inventory. And so the goodwill number isn't so outsized. Yeah. Where the, yeah. Good, where the goodwill number is so outsized that it's worth three times the value of the company itself, yeah. what you're saying is that the acquisitions that it's made haven't led to that appreciation in... Um, the the broader company, um, yeah, yeah. So, and the fact that what you were talking about before, how they've written down millions and millions of worth of goodwill in the past, and then they've just added it to it again, and now it's higher than it was before, seems to indicate that they just go in cycles of acquiring companies, not realizing their value, writing down the goodwill, and then doing it all over again. Yeah. So, to me, it seems like they're just not not great at acquiring companies. Yeah, really poor at it. So if you take that out of their asset, you're looking at $17 million in total assets if you take out the goodwill. Of course, you probably wouldn't take out the full 43. It's There'd, there'd probably be some fairer value, but let's say for argument's sake, you take it all out. 
17 million brings it much more in line with market expectation. But then you have a look at their liabilities and they've got 16.1 million in liabilities. So it comes out pretty net flat, really. So I think I think when you think about this company, you would the way you would you would look to invest in it is for the income that it's producing. And I know it lost money last year, um, but it had positive cash flow, so that's something. Uh, yeah. But you wouldn't be looking you wouldn't be looking to invest in it uh, as in sort of a play on its assets, uh, just because the the value of the the value creating pro- proposition of this company is you know it's bringing it's it's earning income from the services it's a services company really yeah um it's well it offers wealth management services and it offers business advisory and accounting services and um you as a part owner of that business would expect to just every year to profit from the income it makes from those services so yeah if if you i i haven't done the i haven't done a full process of valuing it but that's that's probably where i would start in yeah, trying absolutely. to figure out what fair value is yeah nice ren so yeah. i guess the question is we've both concluded that they we don't really like the way that they're going in terms of this venture capital ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And then if you put that next to this goodwill number and start to understand that maybe they're not the best at actually allocating their capital, then you know it's probably one to steer clear of for the moment because as you said there's going to come a point in time where they will have to address this situation of of the goodwill and by by writing that down in whatever way they do it is certainly going to impact the um the the valuation of of the company yeah and i think i think you tied those two things together nicely there if we're not if we're not confident in its ability to acquire businesses and we say that in its goodwill number why would we be confident in their ability as venture capitalists to invest in businesses? Yeah, exactly. We wouldn't be. No. And so for this one, uh, I'll probably... No deal. Let it go through to the keeper. Well, that brings us to the end, Ren, unless you've got any other final thing to say about uh, PFG. Uh, no, nah, but we could do a whole episode on BFG. Let's let that go through to the keeper as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, if we want to start another podcast on Roald Dahl fiction books, then... Yeah, well, we do. Um, we, we'll have book club coming up soon. Yes. Ho- hopefully, by this point, we've slogged our way through the book that you chose <laughs> for summer. <laughs> I'm glad we got two months for it. Well, I'll just take this opportunity to remind everyone that is still listening to us over the summer. And if you have just joined the show, Ren and I do have a book club that we kicked off uh, in October or November last year. Jump onto our website to look at the books that we have previously been reading. Some of them have been absolute crackers. It was my turn to choose the book for our summer break. Luckily, it is our summer break, Ren, because we're going to need every single day of the two months that we are going to read this book over, uh, December and January. It's Titan, The Life of John Rockefeller Sr., and it's a it's a very long read, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. It's a good it's a good book. It's interesting, but it's, it is long. 
Yes. If you if you're thinking about joining the book club now, you're probably not going to finish the book in time. But join uh join us still. It's definitely worth it. Absolutely. Go back and read the one that we read in November, uh, the little book that still beats the market. Absolute classic. Um, and if you've just joined the show and have started investing, there's probably no better one to start. I think it's a re- it's a really good one. So. Uh, jump on the book club um, and Ren that brings us to the end of our summer series we'll be back live on air um, the next episode next, next week yeah yes. with uh, with some 2019 bold predictions 2019 bold predictions a wrap up of our predictions from 2018 who walks away with the cases of beer well that was single beers I'm pretty sure but also Ren some very exciting news to share um, in terms of uh, a big event that will be hopefully kicking off in in March, uh, April. So stay tuned and I hope everyone's had a great summer and continues to do so. Um, We've had a lot of fun doing this and if this is something you would like us to continue to do throughout the year, then obviously let us know and we'll we'll, um, continue to do so because I think we've, Ren, both certainly learn a lot. Yeah, definitely. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.